You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. Well, good morning, everyone. I pray you're doing well. It's always a privilege to be with you starting out our week together in the Word of God, and uh, what a what a blessed week it has been, and a wonderful weekend uh, that we had, and I pray you were able to join us Sunday on our services live. Uh, we obviously uh, struggle sometimes because we don't have internet, but we are in the process of obtaining it, but it takes several months in order to get it uh, uh, to our facilities and a lot of money. Um, but nevertheless, we've signed the contract to get that so that we can offer high-speed service clarity. And uh, we, we're we grateful for you that have uh, been patient with us. And uh, again, they tell us it could be 8 to 12 months. And I wish I would have pulled the trigger on that uh, contract 12 months ago. But with uncertainty of how everything was going to pan out, uh, we decided to wait a few months. And so we have signed that contract, and so we hope that our live services will be uh, better done and uh, more uh, clear for you guys as as we um, preach and teach the Word of God, and we pray that they're an encouragement to you. We've been working through the doctrine of salvation, and today we are in our final message, uh, perseverance of the saints, or and sometimes in relation to that, we deal with the assurance of salvation, and I think that is an important aspect of our uh, of our understanding of salvation is not only the perseverance of the saints, but also the assurance of salvation. Uh, sometimes your assurance can be deemed to others as pride or arrogance. So I want you to understand there's no arrogance in knowing that you are saved, that you are born again, and being 100% certain of that. And so without delay, let's jump in to prayer, and then we'll open up uh, with this final session in the doctrine of salvation as we deal with perseverance. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the privilege and the honor we have to open your word. So we pray, Lord, that you would teach us, you would encourage us, and that you would call us to continue to walk out our salvation, that our uh, salvation isn't that one time we prayed a prayer, but God, that we continue walking with you. And uh, Lord, we pray that as we have trusted in you and we put our faith in you, that you have redeemed us, you have justified us, God, and that you are sanctifying us. Lord, we know that one day certainly we will be glorified. And so I pray you give each listener today the assurance of their salvation to know that they know that they know that if they were to die today or Christ were to return, that they would certainly 100% go to heaven without a shadow of a doubt. And if there's any doubt in their mind, Lord, may they hear the gospel, may they respond to the gospel, and by faith may they believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for each one here. Pray a special blessing upon them, and may you guide them and direct them as they walk with you for your glory. We ask these things in the precious name of Christ. Amen. Well, again, we, we're so thankful to have you. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh, we, we love new folks, and uh, we are grateful that you are here. So we've been working through the doctrine of salvation. Week one, we talked about common grace. And if you don't know what any of these are, you can go back and watch each one, and I encourage you to do that. There's uh, 10 weeks, and I, will, I don't think I actually posted week nine on uh, Linktree. But it'll be posted today, and so I encourage you to to go back and listen to those. In week one, we talked about common grace, and that is the grace that God gives to all, both believer and unbeliever. Yeah, rain falls on the just and the unjust. Uh, and then we looked at week two, election and reprobation, and you have to decide whether you believe in you know unconditional election or conditional election. Nevertheless, reprobation is... Uh, typically ties in with those who buy uh, the theological perspective in unconditional election, meaning there is no condition. It is the sovereignty of God who chose unto salvation those that would believe the gospel. And the same as the sovereign choosing, 
uh, it's the same sovereign choosing that some for heaven and some for hell. And the doctrine of reprobation is that that you, uh, if you reject the gospel, then you were chosen unto hell. So you have to decide where you land there. But nevertheless, uh, election is based on two opportunities, uh, unconditional and conditional. Then week three, we looked at union with Christ. We defined it in one phrase, in Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but what? Christ who lives in me. And we are connected to the vine, John chapter 15. We are the vine, he are the branch, he who bears, uh, abides in me, bears much fruit. So we must be in Christ. And then the regeneration is from death to life. It's, that is reborn. That must We all must be born again from above. Um, and then conversion is the process that takes place. Um, again, we can cut these in really thin slices. The order salutis, the order of salvation, um, I believe is very, 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 very tight, meaning it's a double-sided coin. You can't have one without the other. And so we try to define each element of salvation, but really and truly, these things all take place simultaneously, um, bringing about um, ultimately um, justification, sanctification, regeneration. Um, and so week six, we talked about justification. That is being declared right before God. You are a sinner. You are stained. You are separated from God. God sends his son, Jesus Christ. You put your faith in Jesus Christ, specifically the person and work of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection, which is the gospel, Paul says in chapter 15, which is the power to save. He then justifies you. He declares you right. He is the righteous judge. He declares you guilty or innocent. And when you put your faith in Christ, it's as if Christ has literally taken your place and took your, it was your substitute, and therefore God can declare you right and just. I posted a uh, an image earlier today and uh, by Charles Spurgeon says, you stand before God as if you were Christ, because Christ stood before God as if you, if he were you. And that's the idea of a justification. You must be as holy and righteous as Christ. You say, well, that's impossible. All of sin fallen short of the glory of God. You're right. But when Christ stands in your place, when the Father sees you, who does he see? Well, he, I hope he sees Christ. You should be covered in the blood of the Lamb. And so by that fact, he can justify you. He can declare you right. And when you are justified and you're declared right, you're regenerated, you're converted, you're in union with Christ because he has elected you into salvation, because he has offered you common grace, you are adopted into the family of God, you become an heir of Christ. And so you are now a child of God, not because of anything you've done, but because he has adopted you into his family. And when you are adopted in the family of God, when you are justified, converted, regenerated, union with Christ, he comes to take up residence in you, and you are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Now, a lot of people want to suggest that baptism is a second work of grace, and they'll say, well, you, you're, if you're not speaking in tongues, you haven't been baptized with the Spirit. There was a young man on the channel, uh, not only here, but in the Patriots Harbor, that, that just kind of belligerently went off on me because he suggested I deleted a video or a photo of him. I didn't even delete it. And so, uh, But he wanted to uh, mock me because I didn't believe in uh, speaking in tongues today, at least not in the fashion in which he is claiming. I didn't. I don't buy into the healing of God, the gift of healing, as he would buy. And we did a whole series on the doctrine of cessationism versus complementary uh, continuationism. And uh, if you're interested in that, to go in more detail and to understand exactly what we believe, uh, you're welcome to watch those videos. It was a great program, I believe, that was beneficial for many. But nevertheless, when you're born again, you're saved, you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. It happens once. He comes to take up residence in you. If you are not, if you're a Christian and and uh, and you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you're not a Christian because every believer is baptized with the Spirit at conversion for His glory. So He has sealed you in until the day of redemption, and thus we are then expected, week nine, we looked at sanctification. That's what we looked at last week. You are positionally sanctified. You are progressively sanctified. And one day, my friends, you will be perfectly sanctified. We call that glorification. And so today we're going to talk about perseverance. And uh, it means to uh, 
continue on to press on, and thus we have the assurance of our salvation. So let's define the term perseverance of the saints. Now, again, this uh, series has really been uh, brought about by uh, a book called 50 Core Truths um, of the Christian Faith, and it was Greg Allison that uh, wrote that book, and this was his definition, perseverance is the mighty act of God to persevere Christians by His power through their ongoing faith until their salvation is complete. And so the reality is perseverance, listen, number one, is an act of mighty God. It isn't you. It isn't your, your walk. It is an act of God to persevere Christians by His power, which is the dwelt Spirit of God. He has given you everything pertaining to life and to, 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 uh, to holiness. And thus, we must have an ongoing faith. You know, the old saying is they put, departed from us because they were never really of us. For if they were really of us, they would have not went out from us. But the fact they went out from us proves they were never really of us. Listen, it's one thing to pop off at the mouth and say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus died and rose again from the grave. Head, head knowledge is not heart knowledge. We live in a world when there's a bunch of head knowledge. You know the plan of salvation, but many don't know the man of salvation. When you understand your salvation is based on the work of Almighty God, then you can understand your perseverance is the work and act of Almighty God. And so if one doesn't persevere, then they're not saved. So you must continue walking with Him. It doesn't mean you won't uh, stumble. It doesn't mean you won't trip and and uh, fall, but you'll get back up and you'll press on and you'll claim First John 1, 9 because you are a child of God. But those you've heard, oh, he used to be a Christian. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. You don't lose your salvation because you can't lose something you didn't earn. If you are a child of God, you're adopted in the family of God. You don't get unadopted. No, you are born again. You are alive because of the work of God. Now, if one claims to be of God, I'm a Christian, and they fall away, and they walk away, and they reject salvation, they reject Jesus, then all they ever had was a head knowledge, not a heart knowledge. They didn't know Christ personally. They knew information about Christ, but that doesn't make them saved. Listen, when someone confesses Christ, look at their life. Because just because they post scripture, just because they claim to be Christians, just because they seem like they have good thinking, doesn't make them a Christian, my friend. Listen, he who is in you will come out. It's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. And so if you see somebody who claims to be of Christ and yet habitually walks in sin, he habitually, she habitually walks in anger and strife and disunity and 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 always cursing and perverted. And th that's not a mark of a believer. We don't need to be fooled by the foolish things of this world, my friends. But too many of us are so captivated by the things of this world, we can't see beyond this realm, and we have no discernment about people's genuine faith in Jesus Christ. And listen, the devil knows Scripture. The devil can talk a good game, but let me remind you, a little truth, or let's just say this, a lot of truth mixed with a little lie is a lie, and that's how the devil works. Listen, perseverance is that is an act of God that to preserve Christians by His power through their ongoing faith until their salvation is complete, that is, until you die and you meet Jesus face to face. Now, assurance of salvation is, a, is the subjective confidence that is the privilege of all genuine believers that they will remain Christians throughout their life. He who began a good work in you will see it to completion. It is a promise. So you can be 100% sure that when you die today or you go to heaven or Jesus returns, you can go to heaven 100% certain with 100% with certainty. 
because you have assurance of salvation. So what are some of the key passages? We like to share those, and you can look them up in your free time, and uh, you'll, you'll find them helpful as you study through. And so there are several key verses. I've posted them in the chat. I hope you find them helpful. Now, perseverance uh, is God's will, right, preserved by His great power and grace uh, to all of those who have truly been born again. Jesus is, He anchors our eternal salvation in the will of the Sovereign Father. Now, you look at John 6, um, John 6, uh, 38 to 40. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should not lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Seems like you can have a pretty good confidence that if you're born again, He's going to raise you up. And then if there's any confusion, you have John 10. Uh, you look at John uh, 10, uh, 27 to 29, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will what? Never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. You are, as a child of God, able to persevere as a Christian because you are born again. You are purchased by the Father through the Son. And he who began a good work will see it to completion. It's a promise. And no one will snatch him out of that father's hand. So when you are born again, you are a child of God. You're saved. You are protected by the Father. The Bible also teaches the Holy Spirit has been given to us, right? To ensure our perseverance. Ephesians 1 13 to 14, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Hear me today. Don't buy... You see, this is the perversion of, of, of this whole second work of grace, Holy Spirit, jibber-jabber that's happening uh, in the Pentecostal movement. Listen, the Scriptures are very clear that when you trust in Jesus Christ, when you believed in Him, that's the beginning. That's the first. It says you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, and thus... You are indwelt with the Spirit of God, and He comes to take up residence in you, and you begin to implement the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because He lives in you. And when He lives in you, He is the guarantee of our inheritance. And when He lives in you, you can certainly, by the power of the Spirit of God who lives in you, be obedient to the things of God. And thus you can persevere. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but you're going to persevere. When you fall down, you're going to repent. Repentance is that you understand that you have sinned. It's not okay to flounder and sin. Oh, you know, I sin and God calls me to sin so that he might teach me more. That's, that's heresy. God doesn't want you to sin. When you sin, it ain't got nothing to do with God. It's got all to do with your sinful desires and your lustful passions. And you push God out of the way and say, get out of the way. Let me be God in this moment. And your lust, your desires gives birth to sin. And when you give birth to sin, death comes about. We need to make sure we keep a proper perspective because you, as a born-again believer, 
are indwelt with the Spirit of God, and it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And so when I walk in disobedience, it's not Christ, it's me. Paul says, the very thing I want to do, I don't do. And if that's the case, it's not, it's not I, it's the sin in me that's walking out. So we have to be very careful. But when we are as believers and dwelt with the Spirit of God, born again from above, we certainly can persevere because we have Christ living in us. Peter describes our salvation, listen, as an eternal inheritance that every Christian will indeed get. 1 Peter 1, 3-5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is what? Imperishable undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you by God's power, by by God's power, not by your works or not by your efforts or not by you keeping the law, but being God's power. You are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Listen to me clearly. You who are born again, you you have an inheritance that is imperishable. It doesn't go away. It doesn't wear out. It's not like food that spoils and ruins. No, it's imperishable. It's undefiled. It's it's holy. It's right. It's set apart. Thus God calls us to be holy. Why? For He is holy. It's unfading. It's not like a pair of jeans that wear out over the years. No, it's kept up in heaven. It's kept by who? By the power of God. And you are guarded through your faith. So your inheritance is certainly secure. Perseverance, those that are truly born again, they will persevere in their faith until death. Since God has promised that, everyone who truly believes in the Son is born of God, born again and will be saved, it's not surprising to see that the New Testament is quick to point out all the true Christians will persevere. That is, they will live out their faith for their whole life until they die and are ushered into the presence of Jesus Christ. And so again, let's clarify, if someone says they're a Christian and they walk away, they were never a Christian. They had a they 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 professed it with their mouth but there was no heart change. There will be many who will profess Christ. And that's why Jesus says uh, on that day, many will say, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do this? Did we not do that? And he says, depart from me, for I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. The reality is, is we all need to repent. We all need to believe the gospel and we all need to be saved. And we all need to persevere. We all need to continue to walk and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. If someone perseveres, it's a good evidence that the Lord preserved them, saved them. So don't, don't get confused when people say, well, he walked away from the faith. No, when you say that, you're saying they've lost their salvation and that the work that God began, he did not complete because he's not able. He's not a liar. We, are, we, we know that the perseverance of the saints is expected for the believers. Colossians 1, 21-23, And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, that's our pre-conversion state. That's who we used to be, doing evil deeds. That's our, our life before regeneration, before we were made new, before we were indwelt with the Spirit, before we were born again, before we were heirs of Christ, before we were adopted into the family of God, before we were saved. And you who were once alienated and hostile in my doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy blameless and above reproach before him, if you indeed continue in the faith, 
stable and steadfast, not shifting from hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. You must continue walking with him, my friend. And so when somebody fails to continue to walk and they reject, we don't need to try to defend their their salvation prior. We just didn't, they were never really of us. John, first John 2 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might be become plain that they all are not of us. So a crucial consideration that we have to come to grips with is do some people lose their salvation? Although some Christians have taught that a person genuinely born again can lose that salvation, namely the Wesleyan Methodist and the Arminianism or the Arminians of our day, they, I believe they're absolutely wrong. If, if a man or woman does not persevere in the faith by the grace of God, this is evidence that they were never truly born again. This is not just human logic or human reasoning, but it's everywhere supported in the New Testament. Besides John's words above, consider the testimony of others. Jesus said there would be many who would be self-deceived. Self-deceived, let me tell you a self-deceived person. This is them. A self-deceived person says they're a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, but they're not, they not conformed by Christ. They have no heart change. When they hear a message, it isn't for them. It's for everybody around them. Oh, I wish Bobby could have heard this message. I wish Shally could have heard this message. No, this is a message for you. Listen, when people are self-deceived, they can't see their own sin. They don't even want to hear of their sin. If you tell them they're wrong, they, they'll lose their mind. How dare you call me wrong? I'm not wrong. I'm right. I'm almighty little G God. No, you're nothing but a, a mere person in need of a Savior. We need to make sure that there is evidence of true conversion. Because the reality is, as many are self-deceived, and they are self-deceived, and they'll say, I am a believer because I do this, and I do that. And if you listen really carefully to the words they say, they will make comments that people can lose their salvation because they've done something wrong as well. This is an indication that they really don't grasp salvation to its fullest extent because they can't lose their salvation. And if you think that someone does something wrong, makes them a non-believer, then you have a works-based salvation as an understanding of the gospel. No. Jesus said there would be many who were self-deceived and who would presumably de deceive others. Can you please listen to me? Just because someone says they're a Christian, just because they post Scripture, doesn't make them a Christian. Stop elevating immature people and giving them a platform to pour into your life when they know not the Word of God. Listen, they went out from us, but they were never really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so to show the evident they, they were not of us. That's 1 John 2, 19. How about Matthew 7, 21 to 23? Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in you? Do we not cast out demons? Do we not do the mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Judas certainly deceived the other apostles. He didn't deceive Jesus. Jesus knew all things. John 6, 70 to 71, did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is the devil? He knew. Huh. 
He knew one of them that would betray him. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Luke 22 to 23. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them could it be who was going to do this? There, there will be many who will deceive you. If they deceived the, the disciples and they tried to deceive Jesus, there will be many who will confess Christ. There will be many who will know the Word of God. At least they know the words of the Word of God. They don't know how to put it in its context. They obliterate it. They misuse it. They ought to be embarrassed. But they're so prideful, they don't have a reason to be embarrassed. They can just hack up the Word of God and confess that it is true, and this is the way it is because this is what it says, and they butcher the context. They don't care about authorial intent. What did the author intend us to get out of it? They just misuse it for their benefit. Listen, we need to understand, Jesus said many would live in a way that looked very Christian. Luke 5, 8, a sower went out to sow his seed, and some fell on a path, was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air came to devour it, and some of it fell on the rocks. As it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture, and some fell on the among the thorns, and it grew up with it and choked it out. The Bible says has many warning passages not to cause fear in Christians' lives that they might lose their genuine salvation but to caution those ultimately who profess Christ in Jesus that do not live for him. They are not saved. Now, again, it's not salvation by works. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But hear me very clearly, that saving faith that is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone, is never alone. It is accompanied by good works, by godly character. And if there is no character change, then there is no salvation. If there is no character change, there is no salvation. Listen, all people who confess Christ must turn from their sins. The false Christian will make excuses for their sin. And they will do it over and over and over and over. And eventually, you will not deny that there is no true conversion. You'll see it long enough that you'll make the judgment call. Certainly, the woman has not repented of their sin. They must turn from their sin, or else the church the body of Christ must conclude they were never truly born again. It's worth noting that, that, that they, they, the Bible always speaks of our current hope, not some action such as walking an aisle or raising a hand or feeling the goosebumps or being slain in the Spirit, flopping around on the hot pavement. What they've done in the past. See Hebrews 6 for an example. There's a current hope now, trusting Christ today, understanding who you are in Jesus Christ, and being born again and walking by faith. So there is this assurance, a personal conviction that my sins have been forgiven, that my soul has been saved. The Bible says that, that, that we will experience some level of assurance wrought by the Spirit of God that we are truly born if we are born again. Romans 8, 16 and 17, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Does your spirit bear witness with the Spirit of God that you are truly born again? 
And here's one that's really interesting. Does your spirit bear witness with someone else's spirit that they are truly born again? You know, the beautiful thing about being a, a pastor and even a, just a Christian, but I meet people all the time that come to the church, and it's immediate bearing of witnesses with one another when a child of God, a born-again believer, steps into the building, and we begin to talk, and we begin to conversate, and it is so apparent that this person is a child of God. He is a brother or sister in Christ. It's, there's nothing more beautiful than that. First John 4, 13, he says, By this we know that we abide in him and him and us, because he has given us his spirit. You have the spirit of God, my friend. You don't have to pray from some second falling upon by the spirit of God. No, you. he has given us his spirit. He indwells us at conversion. And so assurance comes by several means. Do I have a present trust in Jesus for salvation? That's what you need to ask first. Do I personally trust in Jesus Christ for my salvation? Not my works, not my deeds, not my efforts. Those are evidence of true conversion. But have I, by faith in Jesus Christ, trusted him to save me, that the death, the burial, and the resurrection is the power by which we are saved. It is by us trusting in him who came and died and rose again from the grave and ascended to the right hand of the Father, who, who now intercedes on our behalf. Have I personally trusted in Jesus Christ for my salvation? And then secondly, is there evidence? of the Lord's saving work in your life. Galatians 5, to 23 says you, you ought to be exemplifying the fruits of the Spirit. Do we exemplify the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? This is a, this is a major concern in the modern-day Christianity because, number one, is I think <clears throat> we have a carnal Christian nation and what I mean by that is we have, at best, baby Christians who don't know the Word of God and who are being tricked and deceived by people who claim to know the Word of God, who actually don't know the Word of God. They just profess to know the Word of God, and thus we, we believe anything they say. But in Galatians, we learn what it is to be the fruit of the Spirit. And I'll start in verse 16. But I say walk by the Spirit. You can't walk by the Spirit unless He lives in you. And so when you were born again, you are filled with the Spirit of God. You will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So if somebody is consistently walking in the flesh and carrying out the desires of the flesh, they're not, they're not walking in the fruit of the Spirit. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Amen. Which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, dispute, dissension, factions, envy, and drunkenness, carousal, all these things like these of which I forewarn you, just as you have for, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But here's the fruit of the Spirit. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit.
Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Listen to me very clearly, my friends. You should have the assurance of salvation by the fruit you produce. And if your life is marked with all of these fleshly activities, so so this is what you ought to do. You, you ought to have a, a frame of mind that when you look at a person, you should place them in one or two categories. Are they exemplifying a life that's filled with the fruit of the Spirit or one that's filled with the activities of the flesh? Because it says in verse 19 of Galatians 5, now the deeds of the flesh are what? Evident. There, there won't be any dis, dis, disregard for the reality. These are evident, which are immorality. A lot of things fall in the areas of immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, strife. You ever met anybody who is strifling? They just they just want to debate and argue all the time, and they're jealous. They don't like when you get something or you give something and they didn't get it, or 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 vice versa. They're never there's never any joy when someone else succeeds. Outburst of anger. You know, typically when people have outbursts of anger, they'll they'll try to twist it and justify it. And they'll go, Jesus cleared the temple. He says, be angry and not sin. There's a big difference. than outburst of unself-controlled anger. And when someone does that, it's not private, my friend. That is not the mark of godliness, and it certainly is not a mark of the fruit of the Spirit. Disputes, always wanting to argue, always disputing with everybody, dissension, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousal. And it, listen, the, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You, you must, with evidence and true assurance of salvation, must have the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit, which are so beautiful. Love. Do you love one another? Do you love your enemy? Or do you, do you blast them? Or do you love them? I mean, they crucified Jesus on the cross. And what did he do? He prayed for them. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Love. Are you covering, trying to encourage transformation in the life of a believer, encouraging those who have sinned to, to, to claim first John 1 9, repent and walk in righteousness out of love? Or do you point it out? Oh, look at his sin, her sin. Love covers a multitude of sin. How about joy? Listen, if you if you meet people who have no joy in their life, then what makes you think they're they're born again? I'm sorry. But if you are born again and you have no joy, then you don't even got Jesus. Because it doesn't matter what happens in this sick and perverted world. Your relationship with Christ is eternal. He who has the Son has the life, temporary now, temporal now. You should be walking in joy. You should be the happiest man and woman alive because you're born again. Jesus lives in you. 
And so if you meet a person who's miserable all the time, blah, 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 man, they're just sickening to be around. That's not a mark of the Spirit of God. They should be marked with peace. Why? Because Jesus said, peace I give you. (laughs) My peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give. Let your heart not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive it myself. That where I'm there you may be also. You need to have joy, and you need to have peace. Because the Prince of Peace has given you a peace that surpasses all understanding that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Don't let the things of this world bug you out. Peace. You need to be at peace, my friend. That's the mark of a Christian. Be patient. Patient and trusting God to grow people, patience in letting God do what God does in a wicked nation, patience to let God's plan unfold in your life, patience with your wife, with your husband, with your children, patience, and the greatest things to the smallest things. When we are not patient, we are not exemplifying the fruit of the Spirit. And then there needs to be kindness. It's easy to say you're kind to others. It's another thing to walk it out. You should never have to tell anybody how kind you are. If you have to tell people how godly you are and how kind you are, you're probably not. Be kind, even with someone you disagree with, or don't say anything at all. Sometimes that's the kindest thing you can do is block them. Goodness. We we are called to good works, my friends, as Christians. How are you being good to one another in your community? need to be faithful. We need to have faithfulness. Faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithfulness to one another. Listen, we don't, we've lost the importance of being faithful. Faithful to our spouses. Faithful to our children. Faithful to our friends. True, true, genuine Christians will be exemplifying faithfulness. And then there's gentleness. Are you gentle? When, 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 when we should be defined as Christians, we should be defined as being gentle. I mean, Jesus didn't come out with nunchucks and whoop all of them at the cross. He didn't call down legions of angels when he was being flogged. Even in the most horrific circumstance, Jesus was gentle. We need to be gentle. When somebody's wrong, we need to be gentle with that. And then there needs to be self-control. If I can just be honest, self-control means for some body here. I don't even know who's here. I'm not looking at the names of who's here. But know this. Self-control means shut your mouth sometimes. Because the more... Some people's mouths are open. The lack of intelligent flies. Even a fool is wise when he is silent. And I myself 
sometimes I'm learning real quick that I'm not going to debate every single body. I'm not going to argue, and I'm not going to be strifeful with people. I'm going to keep my mouth shut because I don't need to waste my time with words that are just going to fall on deaf ears. Maybe self-control is in your habits, what you drink, how much you drink, how much you watch, how much you eat, how much time you spend on social media platforms. Self-control is important fruit of the Spirit. Against such things, there is no law. When we live out the fruit of the Spirit, it's a beautiful thing. So assurance comes by evidence of the Lord's saving work in your life. And first is the fruit of the Spirit. Matthew 7, 16 says, a positive influence on your church, the local body, the local assembly. God's giving you spiritual gifts, and those gifts are for the edification of the body of Christ. 1 John 2, 23-24, rejoicing in sound doctrine. Do you get excited about sound doctrine? John chapter 15, continuing vital relationship with Jesus Christ, being connected. John 2.10, love your fellow Christians. James 2.17, love your fellow Christians. Obedience to God's word, 1 John 2, 4 and 6. We're going to claim to be born again from above, to be spirit-filled, regenerated, adopted as children of God, then we are called to obedience. That's what we talked about Sunday. There is an expectation if we are to partner in together for the gospel's sake, then we are to be obedient to the Word of God. And when we're not, we're to confess that sin and repent and get back on track. So the question is, do you see a long-term pattern of overall growth in your Christian walk? And if you do, then, then assurance may be increasing. And if not, then it may be decreasing. But nevertheless, it's time to get back on track. And allow those fluctuations of good and bad to progressively be sanctified in, in our knowledge of God's Word. Listen, the final warning. Eternal security, or the classic once saved, always saved terminology, can be deadly. Thousands have heard these terms and then gone on to live a lifestyle they please thinking that they're truly saved. Listen, uh, I, my Calvinist friends, the sovereignty of God can be a, it is a beautiful reality, but it can be deadly because one can think they are chosen of God, that they are children of God, not by their choice, but by God's choice. And they think for one second, they can just go on living a life like however they want. And they think they're truly saved. The Bible is always bases our salvation on our current hope in Christ through a relationship with Him that is exemplified by the fruit of the Spirit. It's not about our historical hope. It is your current relationship with Jesus Christ, not the glory days of, of the past that, that matters. Look what I used to do. Look how many times I used to share the gospel. Listen, if you drive a vehicle looking in the rear view, you're going to run into a tree. Forget what lies behind and press on to gold that lies ahead. The proof of God persevering you until the day of your death is your perseverance. Doesn't matter what you did yesterday. God has given you today. He may not give you tomorrow, but He's given you today. And so today can be the first day of the rest of your life. 
What will you do today? Will you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Trust Him for salvation? Listen, He's giving you the common grace you need. He's given you everything you need pertaining to life and to godliness. He's, he has elected those into salvation before the foundation of the world. The Lamb's book of life was written. Now, will you choose him is the question. Because those who are the elects are the, those whosoever wills, and the unelect are the, those whosoever will not. He wants to come and take up residence in with you, live in your heart, give you union with Christ. Because he wants to wants you to be born again. He wants to give you life. That you, you may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. And that you can receive forgiveness for your sins who are set apart by faith in Jesus Christ. And he wants you to be converted from unbeliever to believer. So that you might ultimately experience justification. Declared right before God. Oh, you've broken the law of God. You've sinned, and the wages of sin is death. And everybody has a death sentence unless the judge says not guilty. And when he says not guilty, he declares you justified. You're adopted into the family of God and indwelt with the Spirit of God, baptized by the Holy Spirit at conversion, sealed in until the day of redemption. When you are sealed in until the day of redemption, the Bible says you will not only positionally be sanctified, but that you will progressively be sanctified, that you will continue walking in Him, and that you one day will experience perfected sanctification. You will be glorified. And so listen to me. You are to persevere in this, as Christians and be assured of your salvation. And if you're not today, don't be fooled to your own damnation. If you were to die today or Christ were to return, are you ready to meet your Maker? And if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, today is the day of salvation. Call out to Him. Believe the gospel that God sent His only Son into the world that you might have life and that you might have life abundantly. Listen, faith is simply taking God at His word by believing what He has promised. And he says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. So will you confess today that you've broken the laws of God? You're a sinner, stained, separated, enmity with God, because Isaiah 59, 2 says, your sins have made a separation between you and your God, and he doesn't even hear your prayers. You must confess you are a sinner to God. He already knows you're a sinner. And you ought to be giving thanks to God that He left heaven. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then we learn in John chapter 1, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And He died on the cross, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, took your payment, your penalty that you deserved, which was death, and took upon His own life your sin was buried and rose again. And as the risen Lord, you must put your faith and trust in Him to forgive you. For your sin, you must be forgiven and give Him thanks for the gift of eternal life. Put your faith in Jesus today. Purpose to follow Him all the days of your life because He has saved you. Would you believe on Him today? Call on Him. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appropriate time. You may be saying, I, I want to put my faith in Christ. Now what? Well, put your faith in Jesus and then make it public. Let everybody here know. Type in the chat, hey, I put my faith in Christ today, and I want to be saved. Jesus will save you. Believe on Him. And then you can persevere. And be assured of your salvation because it is a work of Almighty God for the glory of God. 
Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, and I pray today, Lord, that if there be any here that have never put their faith in Jesus, that today is the day of salvation. They will call out to you, save even a sinner such as me. Thank you, God, for your salvation. Thank you for eternal security, and thank you that you who began a good work will see it to completion. We give all you the glory, Lord. Amen. This has been Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. And be sure to visit us online at familybiblefellowship.org. And come see us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m.